Welcome to Coffee and Change. I'm Bill Kirst. As a business professional, a US veteran, a lifelong learner, and an active listener, I help others navigate, understand, and adapt to our ever-changing workplace and world. As a third culture kid, I call many places home. Presently, Seattle is where I explore my creativity through the power of words and images. In this podcast, we journey with our guests gaining knowledge and inspiration from their stories. Welcome back, and thanks for listening. Imagine you had a great friend who you met in your 20s when you lived in the big city. For six years, you and this friend and her friends were pretty much inseparable. You made memories together, experienced heartbreak together, and at some point, life happened and you went your separate ways. Well, now imagine after nearly 20 years, you get a text from that friend to let you know he or she was in town for a few nights and wanted to see you. What would you do? Would you thumb through the Rolodex of old times and try and book that favorite spot you used to go to for dinner? Perhaps you would try that coffee spot you loved if it was still open. Do you dare pull out that old dress to see if it still fits? See, nostalgia sometimes gets the best of you. And just like that, we are reminded that people change. And that's okay. Or is it? My guest on this episode returns to Coffee and Change to join us as the co-host of Coaching Carrie, a podcast that explores the rewatching of Sex in the City and inquires on how things might have gone if only Carrie had had a personal coach. And then, flash forward nearly 20 years, and we're at it again. Only this time, I couldn't help but wonder, was I the only one who felt this way about the revival? Enjoy the listen. First and foremost, welcome you back, because I've only ever had, to my knowledge, Becky, one other guest who's been a repeat guest. So well, Welcome I would be super flattered by that fact. Thank you for having me back. Um, yeah, you bet. It was um, it was a great opportunity when we kind of just reconnected recently to to chat about not only about the world, but some of the things that we uh, love and are passionate about. So now I'm actually bringing you on the podcast as a fellow podcaster. We talked a little bit about this in the last yes. episode, but now we're going to talk all about it. So yes. why don't you reintroduce yourself as... Becky, the podcaster, and tell us a little bit about the podcast that you run and why we're talking today. Okay. So as you know, I'm Becky. I'm a mom, a wife, and a lawyer turned coach who is the co-host of a podcast that I kind of describe as a sex in the city meets coaching podcast called Coaching Carry, where we take an episode by episode look at sex in the city and consider what it would look like if there had been a coach around to ask the characters questions. And people might know that there has been a, uh, I don't want to say revival, but maybe that's a good word for it uh, this year um, with, uh, and, and just like that. Yes. 
So we're going to talk about and just like that. Uh, but before we do, can you tell some of the listeners how far along this this the journey that you're in with coaching Carrie, where you are kind of in that reflect back in the original series before yes. we talk about this new one? So we are in the middle or actually first quarter maybe of season three at this point. So we have done all of the episodes of season one and two um, and just embarking on season three. We've actually finished recording season three, but we haven't released all of it yet. Um, So yeah, we were recording season three as just and just like that was airing. Okay. And I got to ask you this question because a lot of people I work with had this moment where were you when you heard and just like that was going to be released or put out into the world? Um, and was it a, a pretty exciting moment for you like it was for me and a lot of friends? <laughs> so here's where I have to fess up that. So my co-host, who also happens to be named Carrie and also happens to be a lawyer turned coach, um, she is by far the bigger Sex in the City fan. Okay. Like, not that I'm not a fan, but if if I'm a fan, she's a super fan, right? And so I think I had heard rumblings of it coming out, but it was really in our conversations actually about thinking about this podcast mm-hmm. um, that I learned that it was coming. And I, it was, yeah, I mean, it was like, I got pretty excited. It's like you find out that your your friends who live out of town are going to be in town and you're going to get to see each other for the first time in decades. Yeah. Like, 20 something years. Yeah. It's pretty yeah. exciting. Yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting because I've been rewatching and I don't know if you've taken part in this either, but um, the real world homecomings. Have you heard about oh, these? Oh, no. Oh, yes. Dude, I have to have this to your list. I don't have enough time in my life for all these ex- important things. So you remember real world New York, oh, yeah, the yeah, first yeah, season, yeah. Los Angeles, the second season. So um, Paramount Plus, MTV uh, Networks, they went back and they invited those original cast members Stop. yeah to come back and spend not as long right the, the original sure. one they spent six weeks i think this one they spent maybe a week or two together in the same house same house oh that's awesome and what's really interesting about it is you know it's been 30 years yeah for the new york you know and, and yeah. basically it's you know same same thing for los angeles so I just finished watching the Los Angeles reunion, homecoming, okay. we call it, like okay. re- real world homecoming. And it's just so interesting to go back and remember, firstly, like who we were yeah, when we watched mm-hmm. those seasons. You know, some people might say that was the first iteration of of reality television. Uh huh. But then also who they are 30 years later. Yeah. And then who we are 30 years later. Yeah. And how the world hasn't really changed that much in 30 years. In 30 years. I know, right? It's like, it's so many, it's, it's, um, I don't know what the, the right, maybe it's like a Gordian knot. I don't know what the analogy I'm looking for, but it's like mm-hmm. this like loop back on itself sort of situation yep. in yeah. weird, weird ways. Yeah. Um, so all, so it's interesting because that was happening and I was watching all that in the midst of that, probably the New York one. When I first heard about and just like uh, that and just like that. Now, I had a very different reaction to it because and I think we, you know, you and I could both relate to this, like the shows and Sex in the City at the time that it was done sort of filled a different void for mm-hmm. those people watching it. Um, mm-hmm. Even the perspective of watching it as a man versus woman versus uh, as a gay man. You know, I, I think it's just so interesting, the perspectives. But I got super enthused and excited for mm-hmm. this this new series. Um, 
And then some interesting stuff happened. <laughs> I think the world had some interesting reactions to the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would love to unpack that a little bit with you um, because you've watched it. I've watched it. We both watched the documentary about the making of yes. it. And this won't be a play by play, but I think we're going to hit on the highlights yeah. of what um, what has generated a lot of conversation. Yeah. And so the first layer that I just want to raise is, so I watched it while we were recording season three. And then actually knowing that you and I were going to have this conversation, I was like, what if I rewatch it? Mm. And I went back and I watched it and I did not get all the way through because I didn't give myself very much time to do that in. But um, but I got, I think, six episodes in. And I realized that I liked it a lot more the second time. Okay. And here's what I think is part of why the reaction exists for a lot of people is, you know, I said, it's like when you have your friends coming to visit you who you haven't seen in two two decades, and you have these notions of how wonderful it's going to be to be reunited, right? And then basically, because of the expectations you've got, it can't kind of help but fail to to meet them. Mm -hmm. And so I think when I removed the sort of like anticipatory expectation part, I was like, okay, now I can just actually just take this in for what it is. Now, I'm not saying it cleared up all the objections by any stretch. But I am saying that it felt different. Does that make sense? Like it it didn't feel like such a, oh, like this is all we get kind of a reaction. Well, even the way you described it, like I felt my shoulders drop when you said you watched it the second time and it wasn't with expectation, right? I I wasn't, because I'll be honest, the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, yeah. Leaning forward. I had my favorite snacks. I had popcorn. I was ready to be inspired and. Yep. Um, moved and to cry and to laugh. And yes, those things happened. Maybe yes. not in that order. Yes. Um, but there was also some unexpected reactions that I that I had. Um, nostalgia was one of them. Sure. And I think that was intentional. Yeah. But I'd love to start kind of in the middle of of this, if it was the middle of the series. There was a scene that you and I talked about when we first connected on this. That to me was the best scene of the entire series. Okay. And that was where it showed Carrie in back in her brownstone. Mm-hmm. And she was working on the book. Mm-hmm. And the four seasons or three seasons went by mm-hmm. in the window scene. And mm-hmm. Carrie's sort of heads down working on the book. And then the music changes and she's got a different bounce in her step. And... It was interesting because it was the scene that had almost no dialogue. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't all that complex, but it stirred all that nostalgia in me. And I realized what I missed was the old Carrie. And I think that's where, like, so when I think back to watching the very first episode when it, you know, first aired of and just like that, literally probably every, and I was texting Carrie, as I watched it, she had already seen it. My my co-host. I was Carrie. live texting people too. Yeah, and uh, like I, I mean, I think I could pull up the text chain, and I think the majority of the texts were in the vein of "This doesn't seem like something Carrie would do. This doesn't seem like something they would mm-hmm. say. This they aren't acting like themselves. Why are they so different? Like, mm-hmm. yes, it's been a lot of years, but aren't they fundamentally still the same people? Like, have they really changed that much? Why doesn't it look like it used to look? And I don't mean physically look, but like the interactions, the energy. Why is it so different? Mm-hmm. And so it was. I mean, that I get it. I yeah. miss the old Carrie too. I mean, and I think it's I think it's 
one of the things that's part of the process for me was to to realize that it's okay to say I miss the old Carrie, uh, but also if we fast forward to the documentary that that was shot, you know, about the making of it, there's a part of me that was also had this mixed emotion of I missed old SJP, right? Yes. I missed the the Sarah Jessica Parker that I that I knew going back to. Family ties when she, yeah, when she yeah, 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 like OG, OG SJP, OG SJP, yeah. and for people who don't know what family ties is, you can look that up. But um, she basically was the girlfriend to Alex B. Keaton. Yep. Um, and so I realized, like, okay, you can have that, you can have that nostalgia, you can miss old school SJP and early days SJP and early days Carrie, and those are all the elements. But my brother gave me a great analogy, which I'd love to share with you. He said, look, you once bought a snow globe of New York City. You bought it like 30 years ago, right? And it was like the thing. You bought it. You loved it. It would sat on your shelf. Um, and then like 30 years later, you shook up the snow globe and it's got all this glitter in it, but it doesn't necessarily give you the same feeling and you can't you can't expect all the glitter to land the same way. Right. And that was what what that was kind of what this experience was like for me. I shook up the snow globe. I expected to have the same delight, the same sense of like euphoria, uh, yeah. um, newness. And the hard part was I was holding characters to the place that the glitter landed 30 years ago. I think that's spot on. And I'll, I'll offer. So then I, when I went back, like I told you and, and rewatched it and I watched that first episode again and I had exact almost a version of that thought as they were sitting in that initial sort of opening episode in that restaurant talking. And I'm mm-hmm. like, why is it that I expect them to be the people who they were? I mean, mm-hmm. so they age wise, they were about the characters are about five years older than me. And so I'm like, well, shoot, you know, who I was when I watched this show versus who I am now. Like, guess what? I miss the old Becky too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, like there are parts of me that I'm like, wow, I kind of let that part go. Um, And so why would it be that they wouldn't also have sort of similarly evolved, gotten some sharper edges in certain places and smoothed out edges in others and have different interests? And, you know, it's delightful that they've kept this connection. But of course, it's evolved, too, because they've lived through a lifetime together. Yeah. And it was interesting, even in there were pieces that I didn't quite understand or pay attention to in the moment. But then watching the documentary, yes. you realize certain things like where people sit yes. at around a table. Yes. I, I don't think I understood the patterns of sex in the city until some of that was revealed that it's not it's not a an afterthought. It's yes. an intentional piece of we want we want the viewers to have a, a slight discomfort with the fact that the way that they used to sit, they're not sitting, right? Because Samantha's yes. not there. Um, yes. And we're going to talk about the Samantha piece. Because yes, yes. I'm not sure. I still don't have clarity on that that whole piece. But discomfort was part of the script. Mm-hmm. Um, some people might think it went a little too far. Um, but in retrospect, I agree with you. It's like, were they successful making us uncomfortable? Mm-hmm. Was that part of part of the hook? Yeah. Yeah. Were we, were we, were, did they do a great, I mean, so like there's two ways to look at it. Like they failed to deliver on, on the glitter that I expected, or they warned me from minute one that the glitter was going to land somewhere else. And I better get used to that idea. 
Yeah. You know, it's it's interesting, too, because, it, you know, the HBO stuff is is pretty fascinating. I don't know if you watched Secession, and we'll only talk about this briefly, but there was this last season, and I hope for those, if, if people don't want spoilers here, yeah, stop Yeah, like listening. plug your ears or something. Like yeah. plug your ears, <laughs> fast forward to maybe like 15, 20 seconds. But they showed us exactly who was, like they showed us in the beginning of the season with the poster, with mm-hmm. the image. Mm-hmm. They showed us the end. And I was mm-hmm. like, I never even thought about that. So mm-hmm. this aspect of what is still imagery doing for us? What is social mm-hmm. media doing for us? What is the the place of where people sit in a, in a scene doing for us? I mean, all of those were very well thought through and I have much more appreciation for it. But in the moment, I was very uncomfortable. I did not like what I was seeing. I did not like, you know, we'll talk about the Samantha stuff. I felt like the Samantha through a text was a weird, like I still... I mean, I read that that you know it's Kim Cattrall, right? That's yes. that's yes. I read that she wasn't going to be a part of it. I read all sorts of rumors as to why that was. I didn't spend any time on the rumors. I wanted them to honor that character in a way of like, okay, she's not here. That's but then like they kept bringing her up in like yes. text message, and I was like, is she here? Is she not here? Carrie's talking to her, but through a text. Um, again, it left me in a place of discomfort. Yes. And my initial reaction to the Samantha stuff, like starting with episode one of it, just like that, I was like, this isn't just, I don't get it. It's not ringing true. Like, I don't, it's not satisfying. I don't like what is happening. And then you look at sort of the through line of the texting that happens. I'm still not satisfied. Like the whole notion, like we have this like moment at the end on the bridge and she texts her and she's like, let's have drinks tomorrow. And I'm like, and then we hear nothing about what happened at drinks. Like we hear no download. We hear, I'm I'm mad about it. But on the other hand, like I can think of people in my life who mm-hmm. I was very, very close with, who I'm confident would be the the friend I would reach out to or who would reach out to me if something catastrophic or tragic happened. Mm-hmm. And it would be by text and it wouldn't right. be more than that. Right. And so maybe it's real. Yeah. And maybe yeah. that's today's version of it. Right. I mean, it 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 may be uncomfortable mainly because that's not necessarily how I would have engaged. But I also have to realize that I'm probably holding on to a Carrie and Samantha relationship from that's, 20 years ago. Yeah. That had only cordless phones. It didn't even have cell phones. I mean, let's be really straight. Like, right. I think by the end, they've got cell phones, but not right. at the beginning of the series. It's always right. them on their, you know, on their cordless. Or in and Carrie's so case, I, I think I it think had a cord. It's a <laughs> wonderful reminder of, yeah, there may be moments where I reach out to somebody via text because that's all I have in me. Yes. Yes. In that moment. Yes. Or that's all that the all that our relationship baggage will allow. Yes. In the moment. Mm-hmm. That I don't know that it would be, you know, I'm thinking particularly about the the flowers and the funeral. Like that I yeah, don't know that it would be that. <laughs> that it would be welcome for me to show up. That that right. wouldn't create more of a burden if I walked in the door. That it's actually mm-hmm. better that I can that I can this is all I can do to express and feel safe that I'm not gonna make it worse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in some way, it was interesting because the the texting that I saw between Carrie and Samantha, it almost turned out to be, you know, like the gratitude mm-hmm. journaling exercise that, mm-hmm. that sometimes people do, right? You, you just send yourself a note or you write yourself a note and that gets you through the day. Mm-hmm. In some ways, it started to feel as if Carrie could rely on that as a place to just put something. It became, yeah, like almost like an anchor point. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. 
um, which I didn't expect initially, because to your point in the beginning, I thought to myself, these two brilliant, powerful women would pick up the phone and talk to each other. I don't care what. Yeah, I can't even imagine the circumstances that would result in in that outcome. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so, so that brings us to obviously grief. Yeah. <laughs> you mentioned the flowers, the funeral. Again, for whoever's listening, if they haven't watched the show, I apologize because yeah. we're just going to put it all out there. You just put it in the, put in the show notes. That yeah. Like spoiler spoilers. alerts throughout. <laughs> yeah. Um, were you expecting the passing of Big? No. Me neither. No, not at all. I mean, I think we knew early on that there was going to be a funeral of some sort. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, then when, well, I forgot his real name, but when Stanford passes away in real life, I thought, mm-hmm. oh, maybe they knew that. And then they, that's how they wrote, wrote that in. him yeah. all, out of the show. Um, but no, I did not expect the passing of Big. I did not even expect the passing of Big after the show aired that day and everybody was talking about it. I was like, no, that's surely that's not what happened. Right. Happened. Yeah. And I'm also curious because there there was so much, obviously, we don't need to rehash the whole Peloton, yes. the ads, all yes. that other stuff. I would rather focus on the moment of uh, passing and the way that they, the way that grief, I felt grief became, capital G grief, became the fourth gal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, And I would love your thoughts on that. You know, I wouldn't have said it that way, but that's an interesting take. And now I have lots of ideas, right? Because the reality is you have the the very real grief that Carrie is going through um, in losing big. You have the grief that all of her friends are feeling because they lost a friend too. Mm -hmm. You have the grief that they are feeling. I mean, so like it's not just big related grief. There's the grief of not having Samantha there. There's the grief of this is sort of like a, breaking the what is that called like the third wall the third wall that's the Mm -hmm. yeah so like breaking the third wall there's also the grief that i i picked up on a couple times of of stanford is gone yeah and i mean whether they whether they had it or not i felt it yeah um there's the grief for charlotte of my child is not growing up the way that i thought that they would there's the grief for miranda of Mm -hmm. and and steve of Mm -hmm. the end of that relationship. <clears throat> yeah, I mean it's everywhere. Yeah. If there was a theme that would be the theme. Right, which which I think is really interesting because for for me I did not expect that and one of the gifts I'm taking away from the series is that it became the fourth gal. Mm-hmm. From, it became the 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 golden thread throughout. And yes. if you had said to me, "Hey, we're bringing all the 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 ladies back and all the characters and here's what you're going to leave with a better understanding of grief. Well, and actually, so like they, the series got a lot of criticism for not handling heavy hitting issues in a heavy hitting way. But as you, as you point this out, my reaction is that they have, that this could be one of the more nuanced and realistic portrayals of all the flavors and facets of grief that exists in the television world. They did not shy away from it. They did not ignore it and they did not gloss over it. Right. And they let it look look different for everyone. Right. Which which I think that was the part that um, was the most expansive for me was the minute that I felt like, okay, I'm at a place of resolve. Yes. Like we've worked through this issue. 
it would come back up in a way and I'd be like, oh, here we are again. Here we are again. Um, and I feel like the the portrayal of the characters and the way that each of them had their own instance and version and relationship with grief was done really well. Yeah. Um, it's not, you know, it, it wasn't neat and tidy. No. There was oftentimes no resolution. Um, yeah. Sure, there was, there was the typical, if we're going to play on the characters, you know, there was the typical Charlotte wanting to put everything in a nice bow or, or not feel left out. Like there was those things you could call upon, but that's not all there was. Like it, it, they, they didn't oversimplify it to the point where, oh, let's just go with the stereotypical part of who this character is and put a pin in it and move on. Yep. Um, I think the other, the other part that was interesting for me was watching new characters enter the fray. Mm-hmm. And then we don't even know who they are yet yet we're watching them react to people who are reacting to grief. So yes. there's your whole like inception moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. And they introduced so many characters. Like when mm-hmm. I, so I look at this again now from the lens of having now really closely watched the first three seasons and there's, new, there's, you know, one-off characters, but not this volume of new repeat characters. And we had a lot of new personalities um, on the stage and got to see that inner exactly that that interaction of how how are we doing this how do we build a friendship like with Carrie right. and Seema how do we go from professional acquaintances to friendship and what does that look like and what does that look like when you're in this grief moment when um, grief is what brought you together yeah yeah um, did you have a favorite new character I'm a big fan of Seema for mm-hmm. many reasons there aren't I'll be honest I don't I can't think of any new characters that I really didn't like like that mm-hmm. I really disliked. Um, Charlotte's friend whose name is escaping me now. LTW. LTW. Lisa Todd Wexley. There you go. Lisa Todd Wexley. So now you said it and that'll stick. But so, so here's the thing with Lisa Todd Wexley. The, the storylines that they gave her were the, my mother-in-law is overbearing and, um, I'm going to take on this issue of like black friends, white friends. She's like. I mean, they describe her as like a humanitarian. She's on Vogue's best dress list. She's, you know, whatever else. Like, where's the meat? Mm-hmm. So I feel like she got shortchanged. I probably would have liked her a lot more if we knew more about the depth of her. It's interesting that you you kind of took it to exactly where I was going to go, which was, you know, initially asked, did you have a favorite character? My next question was, was there a character you wanted you wanted to spend more time with? And it sounds like, you know, LTW was one of those characters for well, sure. Well, I'm like curious about LTW because I don't feel like I have enough to go on. Like, mm-hmm. I wouldn't mind having drinks with any of the new characters. I think, though, I already have a, a notion of what drinks with Seema would be like and with, yeah. what drinks with, um, with is it Naya, the professor? Yeah, yeah Naya. Um, with, with Naya would be like. And... Um, I don't have the same notion of like what drinks with LTW would be like. Mm-hmm. You know, for, for me, there was a character that was introduced to us that I immediately wanted to spend more time with. And that was the downstairs neighbor. Oh, I'm super curious about her too. Yeah. And and like, I am like, that's, thank you for raising that because that's a storyline that pissed me off. I'm like, how are you going to introduce her? Give me just enough but not really anything 
And I'm like, what, 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 what was that? Like, I feel mm-hmm. like it was a drive-by. Like, what just happened? Well, especially because I think, again, if I'm going to go back to the snow globe analogy, right? Yes. You've got the snow globe. We've shaken it up. Like, she's back in the brownstone. Like, she's yes. back in, and I have this sense of comfort and the glitter's landing. And then all of a sudden you introduce this downstairs character. Yeah. Um, pretty late in the script, I might I might yes. say. Um, and we have these notions of old school Carrie, but we now have this beautiful opportunity for Carrie to be the coach, to be the mentor. Yes, to to actually like take this girl under her wing a little bit. Mm -hmm. And we have glimmers of it. And then I feel like it, they did nothing with it. Now, maybe this is a follow on, I don't know, but I wanted there to be so much more there. Well, so here's what I, I mean, this is one of the criticisms that even on the rewatch, I feel like sticks with this, um, with this for me. And it is, it's like they took such a big bite. They tried to fit so much into this season that it's almost like nothing got fully chewed. And, and I look at, especially starting back in the early seasons, one of the beautiful things that they did as a show was they moved the plot along enough that you stayed engaged, but they gave you these delightful little eddies to to sort of be in and float in and take in what life looks like, Mm -hmm. like these life moments. Here, your mouth was so full, like they tried to have life moments and plot moments. And it was like, I just can't even chew it all. I'm done, you know? And so they could have subtracted. I mean, I could see a 10 arc a 10 series arc that the only thing of note that happens is big dies. Okay. See, I'm really glad you said this because in, in that whole thing, there was offshoots in my mind where that exactly could be an entire thing. And, and I feel that's where, again, if I call grief, the fourth girl, fourth gal, like I wanted to spend more time with that. I wanted yep. more drinks with that. I wanted, and, 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 you're right. There were these moments where it's we'd have these kind of, for lack of a better term, I mean, I don't, I don't know if the term is soliloquy, where like we hear in Carrie's head, yes. right? She's sort of um, going through that, and then we are prepared as as an audience and as watchers and as and as listeners to kind of be in that place of emotion where she took us. And then you're right, like <laughs> drive by, new event, yeah. big event, huge event, yeah. We now need you to sort of gear change. Yep. And process that. And I had a really hard time doing that. Well, and I think it just gave short shrift to some of the big events. Like mm-hmm. Miranda has a significant change in her life in this in this 10 episode arc. And we go from sex and <laughs> sex in Carrie's kitchen. Sorry, I'm <laughs> coughing. Um, sex in Carrie's kitchen. To, I'm in love. Yeah. And that is like the least Miranda moment of, that I've ever witnessed. That would be like a Samantha moment if, if, I mean, if, if Samantha even had that. You know who it actually is? It's a Charlotte moment. That's who it is. Charlotte would be the one to go from like, oh, we had great sex. Now I'm in love. That's true. You're right. Yeah. Um. It'd be the Samantha that would allow her to have the great sex in the first but place. She but she would never get whole, to the love yeah, part. That's a whole different issue. But, but, and, and it's like, 
I don't feel like that. I think that's like a disservice to Miranda's character because the mm-hmm. real, like the Miranda that we know, and yes, maybe she's grown out of it and grown up, and I I respect that. But the real M- Miranda would have would have str- would have wrestled with that more, not in the sense of what does this mean that I'm attracted to a, a, a non-binary person. It would have been more about like this this is fast and can i really let go of control this way and can i really release myself over to this and we really didn't hear her struggle with that at all and i think my hypothesis upon reflection on that is i think that was her way of dealing with her own mortality sure well obviously yeah no 100% it was like it was like this is not working what i have going on with steve and she makes very clear that like you know we've been together and we basically have nothing in common except dessert <laughs> and <clears throat> And then it's like, oh, and if 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 both of us could die tomorrow, like we both deserve better, a hundred percent. I still think, even in that mortality moment, this notion of going zero to sixty for her, yeah, I don't get it. Well, <laughs> and I've heard criticism. Because, sorry, go ahead. You, no, you talk I was going to say, so especially because of this aspect of the, on one side, we've got this person who may be dealing with you know her mortality and goes from you know this incredible moment of pleasure to I'm in love, right? And wanting to change everything. But at the same moment, we've got this very astute person who is going back for, you know, higher thinking and deep thinking and degree thinking and challenging um, status quo and being an investigator of all things and building relationships that way. So those two don't seem to hold up in the same character. No. And I've heard (laughs) lots of criticism of, Miranda, like, leaving her life to go and follow Che to Los Angeles. I've heard that criticism. That one, I kind of am like, you know, that's where I see the mortality. It's like, life's too short. I'm going. I buy that. I actually buy that. Once she's bought in to where she's going. But there is, you're right, you hit the nail on the head. There's this lack of, of the investigator that we saw of like, what does this look like? How do I, what am I doing? How am I doing this? Why am I doing this? What does this mean? Um, is it too quick? Can I actually be vulnerable and give up control? And I get it. Like sometimes when you actually land with in the situation that you're meant to be in with the person you're meant to be in, it's easy. But even to even to acknowledge like that is never spoken. It's not clearly like, yes, I mean, even just a really like a longer moment or maybe a whole episode of reflection on, holy shit, this is easy. What do I do with that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I think the there's so much there but i also find it interesting that cynthia nixon was producing a lot of these episodes so in some that's one thing i was left unresolved from the documentary was we see a lot of cynthia nixon's producing and writing process but one of the things i was left curious about was what within her own character did she struggle with writing to Ooh, i like that question because I get the sense that's the first time she wrote for that character. Probably, maybe I could be wrong. I, I, I mean, don't. I don't actually know the answer yeah. to that, but I think you might be right. And so it's it's one of these pieces that, like, if we're too close to it, right? If I'm writing my mm-hmm. own character, then in my head I've worked through all that logic, mm-hmm. but it doesn't go into the script because it makes sense to me. It's definitely not going to make sense to a uh, a viewer, though. Yeah. So I, th- I think it's pretty fascinating that we've even uncovered that in this discussion, which I hadn't yeah. thought through. Um, no, and then the other piece I took issue with was the whole, like to your point around the alcoholism, that could have been an entire like series of 
shows. And I was like, whoa, we just like ice skated through a puddle. Right. Well, and and it kind of just goes away. Like, right. It's this very big issue. And then Charlotte Amazons her and sends her the book. And and then it's like, and then she figures out that she's really attracted to Che. And all of a sudden, she's not an alcoholic anymore. Right. I don't actually, huh? What? Like, (laughs) and so this is where that is one example, though, where I feel I felt like and you I think it was you who told me that this was intended to be a movie. Yes. That I felt like they were moving through plot points the way a movie moves through plot points, right? Like, because nobody's going to sit down and watch a two hour movie where the only thing that happens is big dives. Right. But I will for sure watch 10 episodes of Sex in the City where the only thing that happens is big dives. And I know that because I've been I've I've just done it multiple exactly. times. Exactly. Right. And and I think I think that's one of the fascinating things about what a show like this has taught us because the first instance of you know Sex in the City I, I give it so much credit cuz people learned about who they were yes. in watching it. And we now have and then there were the movies, right? Yep. <laughs> Which we could have all another discussion a whole about. Other but discussion. Yep. This piece around this was originally going to be a movie. It was going to be a third movie. And I'm glad I didn't know that beforehand. And at the same time, I could see how what was sort of the foundation, if you want to call it the the base layer of the casserole. Yeah. <laughs> that was written. I could see that all been written for a movie. And then they thought we have an opportunity here to really keep it that much more engaging, to elongate it, to do some depth. But the problem is the base layer of the casserole is still the base layer of the casserole. Yeah. And like it's not going to change the fact that you've you've put way too much contents in in, in this your casserole dish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, and I think you know as you're as you're talking, what I was thinking about too is not that they have to follow the same formula, but if you think back to the series, the formula of the series basically was let's take a central question or a central issue for each episode and let's explore it through different storylines. Mm-hmm. If you were to talk about and just like that, it's let's take a central plot point and and explore it through different storylines. And that is a very different show. Yes, right. For better or worse, right? And mm-hmm. and if it, I'm sure it's an intentional choice, but I just I think what I love, I mean pro- probably cuz this is where, you know, look, I'm a coach and this is what I like to do, but I love, I mean, I can at least through season 3 point to this was the episode about deal breakers. This yep. was the episode about self-worth. This was the episode. And you can kind of come up with these kind of pillars. And sometimes they they very specifically come from the framing that of the sort of question that Carrie is writing on for her column that week. Right. But even absent that, you can still kind of come up with these, these pillars that then are like a guidepost to really dive into how do we all, how are the different ways you could approach this issue? And so I guess what we've got is like a 10 episode arc on grief with a whole bunch of excess ingredients. Yes, that's that's very well said. And I think the other thing that just kind of comes up in me is, you know, I think if I could surmise the original series, as we call it, Pat, versus this sort of, you know, um, revival and reboot or, you know, reunion, whatever you want to call it. The piece that I got so much power from was the original series really rested on the quote to me, and I couldn't help but wonder. Mm -hmm. And to me, that always left so much to your point around character development or the way you move through the world 
or just this natural curiosity of how are things going to work out and who Mm -hmm. am I going to be at the end of it? When you pin something on and just like that, I wonder if we've we've taken that out, if we've taken that element of, and I couldn't help but wonder out of it. And there's this drive to land things and put a pin in things and resolve things. Mm -hmm. Because if I think back to the episodes that were most resounding to me, I remember the moments of, I couldn't help but wonder. Mm -hmm. I don't really remember the the little pithy and just like that. Because they were, they were, they were oftentimes, I don't want to say afterthoughts, but they landed in a place where I was like, you could say anything you want after the, and just like that. And it doesn't matter to me because the, the, the meaningful, the, the growth, the movement, the thought has already taken place. I'm, I'm cooked. Right. right. No. And, and so like, I'm going to use your casserole analogy because I grew up in the Midwest. So I'm a casserole kid. Please. And, uh, and like, I think of the, you know, I can't help but wonder is like the contents of the dish. And like casserole is always better with the crunchy topping. And and just like that is like, is it going to be breadcrumbs? Is it going to be Parmesan cheese? Is it going to be fried onions? What's going to be on top of the casserole? But and just like that is a plot point. And now you made me want to go back to these 10 episodes and write down the and just like that, the 10 and just like that. Because like one of them is like, and just like that, I was wearing heels again when she recovers from her hip surgery. I'm like, okay. And I mean, way more, just to be clear, I feel like way more than that happened in that episode. Right. Like, oh, and just like that, Miranda figured out she's attracted not just to her husband and and um, cis hetero men. Right. Like, that seems important to have figured out more important than heels, maybe. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that's the same episode or the next episode, but you get my point nonetheless, you do. right? Yeah. Like, um. And it, but but to your point, and just like that is a plot point. And just like that, Carrie and Big are together. And just like that, Carrie and Big broke up. I mean, we could go back and look at the whole arc of the season and come up with those and just like that. Um, hmm, I'm going to do that now. Just wait. I mean, it's it's I it it just became so like resonant with me because what really and now I understand why I like that one scene of the seasons changing. Yes, and Carrie being at the keyboard. Yeah, because that was the manifestation of I couldn't help but wonder. Yes, 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 and and that scene is a great example. To your point, so much of the good, the good acting, and the good moments in Sex and the City are nonverbal. Thank you. That's so exactly much. it. They gave the women exactly space it. to be in their space and in their feelings and in their experience. And that space, they did not have, how could, how could you possibly have that spaciousness in the way they wrote this series? Which is why the closet scenes with Carrie and no words and no yes. other characters, yes. to me, were so powerful, equal to the light coming on. Yeah, that was a good one too. Yep. Yep. And even her in the, I mean, they gave her a little space, like even her in the new apartment that she almost lived in, just like there's some, there were some, but it's like. The proportion of space to chalk full was was off for me in this in the new series. And yeah, that's a big part of it. Yeah. I mean, it's again, just talking through this, I'm getting way more than like had I had I after I finished the series, had I basically gone with the sentiment I was experiencing at the time. I would have left it in a place of frustration. Yeah. Um. A little bit of saturation, mm-hmm. 
um, disappointment mm-hmm. and feeling lectured. Mm-hmm. Well, and we haven't even touched on that part, right? So like <laughs> that, so we don't have to go there, but I want, I want to say one thing, which is, sure. I mean, they did what they've done before and that is not a new feature of Sex in the City, I can tell you. And please, if you're curious, turn, tune into season three of our podcast because it is a absolute mess because they try to do the same thing and do it very, very poorly. Um, but what I do want to say is, is to bring it back to like real life and out of the the show, which is sure. what we do on our podcast and, and who I am as a person. It's a nice reminder to about what happens when we get too attached to our expectations. Yes. Right. And we do it to ourselves all the time. All the time. We did it with the show. A hundred percent. We did it with the show. And so we, we did it with the series, but the good news is with the series, we get a second, we get a, we get a mulligan. Yes. We get an opportunity to approach it again with less attachment to outcome and less attachment to our expectations. Life does not afford us in real life, many mulligans like that. Yeah. And so I don't know, it's like my takeaway on a personal level is really to think about like when I have these giant expectations of a situation, I think how you enter is way, 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 way more important um, than being attached to how you will feel when you're there or when you exit. Right. And I think about the intention that I went in with, right? The intention Mm -hmm. that we all went in with, that my colleagues and friends texted me, live texted me. Again, the intention I went in with, if people can picture this, I'm leaning forward, my yeah. shoulders oh, are yeah. up. Oh, yeah, anticipation. I'm snacking on stuff that's probably yeah. not good to eat at 8 o'clock at night or whatever. I did not go in with the right intention. And um, it is a great lesson. It is a wonderful lesson. And it makes me wonder about, like, gosh, I want to go back and rewatch not only old shows like this, but I think about shows that were significant to me in my life when they were, like Party of Five when I was oh, a teenager. yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, if I go back and rewatch those, uh, there's probably a lot of things I would I would take issue with, right? Yes. Um, there's so many shows in the 90s that I don't think they could even air the air. same way today. Yeah, yeah. Um, but what was the intention we went in with? Um, and I, I do think that's a wonderful reminder about the kind of, gen- we have to be generous and kind and nostalgia is a wonderful thing, but it comes with a lot of burden. Yeah. And, and you said you didn't go in with the right intention and I'll just offer the reframe of you just didn't take the time to set an intention. I didn't. You're right. I jumped as soon as it came across. It's a totally fair human intention. Right. But like, if you had thought it through, would you choose the same intention? And I think about it, like I said, in the context of, okay, I'm going to see somebody I haven't seen in a long time. Yeah. If I don't think it through, my intention is for it to feel amazing and perfect and wonderful and better than before. If I think it through, actually, my intention is just to reconnect with somebody. And then all of a sudden, the bar is way lower. And we can actually just show up and be ourselves instead of trying to recreate this this connection that we had before. And recognize growth and grief and, you know, loss and all the things that they they put in this very busy casserole. Um, (laughs) It's like they put the casserole and the jello salad together. And we all know know, that you cannot be having those two things touching. But I am very excited. It appears that there will be a follow-on yes. season. Yes. Is that what your sources are telling you? I have, that's what I'm hearing. My, my sources, are, um, aka the internet, know, are we suggesting. We know you have a direct line to SGP. We're just- I wish, man. I would. That would be the best. No. Um, yeah. No. I, I think that's what they're saying, and okay. I'm. It's sort of interesting because it makes me curious, right? Like it makes me curious whether 
because I think when what I'm what I've read is when they made this, the intention was like you said that this was going to be a movie. This was going to be a one time thing. There was not going to be follow on. So then that creates this like if I'm only cooking once, I got to put all the stuff in it, right? But if I knew I was going to cook three times in a row or three meals in a row, I could spread it out. Mm-hmm. And so I do wonder if the if the pace changes. I mean, let's be really fair to this show. It evolved. I dare you to go back and watch the first two episodes of Sex and the City ever made and get excited about them. I, yeah. I dare I dare you. Yeah. I mean, they do this like whole man on the street format. It's, it's so like bad. a it is just absolute and look, I mean, I'll be honest. I dare you to go listen to the first two episodes of our podcast. Like it's everything gets better and more refined as you do it. Right. Um so I'm super curious to see what happens next. And we all have the right to learn and grow and try and improve. <sighs> Please. I mean, let's let's, right? Like, I hope that what we get is actually like a little bit of a of an unpacking and a slowdown and maybe some resolution to these things that we're so curious about, like the downstairs neighbor or whatever yeah. the next version of that is. Right. No, I agree. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for this unpacking. Uh, <laughs> it was like, it's so funny because like, I thought I had it all like, I thought everything was in its neat little box and it's not like, there we go with the snow globe. It's I love that. Shuck they, up you, again. That would that's a great that's a great um framing too. I, I owe that, that to my brother. He 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 was a like you know a loyal watcher. And yeah. he said he said to me, it's like Bill, you shook up the snow globe 30 years later and you expected all the glitter to land in the same place and for it to give you the same feeling. You can't that's not fair. Well, and like let's just take that analogy one step further, right? Like if life is a snow globe, the, the glitter is never gonna land where you expect it. Nope. So stop worrying about where the glitter is going to land. Right. Just stop, please. Just stop. Thank you. Um, thank you so much for your time, Becky. This was really great. Um, it's an honor to have you repeat uh, as a repeat guest. Um, I encourage everyone to tune in to uh, the podcast. Remind people the of the podcast name and where they can find it. So it is wherever you can find. I think we're on virtually every streaming platform at this point, And it is called Coaching Carrie, spelled like Carrie Bradshaw, C-A-R-R-I-E. Thank you. Um, this was so great to, to, to walk down memory lane and then also give myself permission to, um, frankly, set intentions um, yeah. for shows that we watch as well. So I appreciate your time and thanks for, for joining us again. Awesome. Thank you.